Good evening, everybody. My name is Grove, and welcome once again to another episode of the Rip Roaring Reds podcast. This is episode five, and I am joined as ever by my co host, Jace. How are you doing, Jace? Hey, mate. Yep. Very good. Tired, though. Very tired. Long week away yes, abroad. Busy week mm. for you, right? Where, where yeah. have you been? Tell us. Germany. Germany was it? Germany. Was it? Was it good? Did it? Was the weather any good? It was here. Was awful. So, oh no, it was absolutely rubbish. Rained all week. Got soaked so much. So I'm glad. Hoping for a sunny weekend at the football. Yeah, Sunday's looking okay. Saturday, not so much. But Sunday, hopefully, we'll get a bit of sunshine at Wembley for sure. Yeah. How are you? You at the Monaco game, right? I did. I got to take two boys up to the Emirates on Wednesday. Uh, One really cool thing about that. So um, for many of you that look for a a watering hole or food place before a game, I made my way up from Angel and went to the uh, Old Queen's Head, which is the home of Lucky Chip. Uh, So they do a a, a really good burger and tater tots and and lots of other stuff. But um, outside that pub, uh, while I was waiting for it to open, I ran into Lewis Dunford, um, which was pretty cool. Um, so I, 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 he was on the phone. Uh, so I said, Lewis, and, uh, he kind of turned around and goes, uh, yeah. And I was like, do you mind if I get a photo? And he, he kind of was, he obliged, which was really nice of him. And I just said, I enjoyed his work and said, uh, it meant, it meant a lot at the ground, which was pretty cool. So that was nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. He That's was, he was cool. nice and polite. And, uh, I think he was probably just going home from the supermarket. So he obviously must live around North London as well. So, yeah. He probably gets it quite a lot as well, living there. Yeah, well, there wasn't. Yeah, especially if it's game day, walking up um, through there up to uh, Highbury and Islington for sure. So I I walked from there to the grounds, uh, did the usual, stopped at the, the, got the boys a pin badge each because they love getting a pin badge before the game. Uh, Got to see North London forever, which always gives me a little, little tear in my eye every time the boys sing it. I do love it. I think that's one of my favourite things as part of the kind of game day going experience. Love it. Yeah. Nice. It's cool. Nice. Right, uh, let's get into that intro music and then uh, we'll get cracking. Saka. Saka! Right. It is Friday evening. We're two games removed, uh, two games, two days removed uh, from the Arsenal Monaco game at the Emirates Stadium. Jace is back with us and we're going to start, as we always do with every single Rip Roaring Reds podcast. We're going to start with our Rip Roaring review. Going to hand over straight to you, Jace. Big and bold. How are you going to start this podcast? I'm fed up that we haven't sold anyone for big money because we need money. We need some money. Um, we know. I know we sold Trusty to Sheffield United for five million, but that's not going to quite equate to uh, giving us some money to really get. I mean, I hear we're saying we're going for a rare, and we'll talk about that. But I, I, I'm assuming we need to bring some cash in. We have got Patino, Cedric, Holding, Laconga, Tavares, potentially Balogun already, whichever one of them needs to go. Turner still not gone yet. Pepe. We, these players are not going to play for us. I mean, I'd like to see Patino stay and come through, but he he's already said he wants to go, supposedly. So, yeah, uh, my my big statement is I'm just a little fed <laughs> up that we haven't sold anyone. Maybe I'm a little impatient, um, but it feels like all the signings now were done quite a while ago. So, you know, we're now into August. So it's 20 six days left of transfer window and we got to get a lot of players out and then it's going to be that that bung rush to, towards the end where it's like oh we're we going to get anyone in and i think we often come out disappointed when we're hoping to get an additional one or two in at the end of august i like the fact that we're doing our business early so i'm not complaining but well, i am complaining because <laughs> i think we need to i need to sell some players and i think we i still feel we need 
another attacker still. Like I just feel there's something missing. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's something missing for me up front. Like, I know there's been a few games where, you know, there's Monaco game from what I have seen of it. <laughs> I mean, there was hard, one of the reasons I was like, where's the highlights? was because my understanding was there wasn't that much attacking play. It wasn't good in, in, intraplay, but like not much. So, yeah. yeah. Selling is a problem. Yeah. I mean, I look at that list there, right? I've heard that there's talk of obviously around 20 million as a fee for uh, Nicola Pepe, who did not do very well in his loan spell. And so I know we're making a, a huge loss on that, but I don't think you'd expect to get much more if I was to be honest. And, and the list you went down, you know, Cedric, Holding, Laconga, there is not a lot of selling value in those players. I'd be happy to get any kind of fee for most of them. So there's nothing really going to recuperate a lot of money through those transfers. I would say Balogun's the only one in there that could generate an okay fee if we do well to sell. And even with the injury to Jesus now, right? You'd be interested to see what happens there. Well, Turner, supposedly 15 million to Forest, and we bought for seven last year. Yeah. Um, Lokonga was how much? 35? No, that's too yeah. No, it wasn't that much. I 15? think that might be Tavares in it around that area. No, Tavares was under 10 million, and he is worth now, he's doubled his figure, I think, you know, age, potential. 15 to 20 million for Tavares, and there's a lot of clubs that want him. I'm not, he's the one I'm really surprised because we don't need a left back, so he's got to go. He's money on the table. Lokonga, Burnley, I don't know why Burnley haven't signed him yet. <laughs> this is a no brainer fit there. Um, yeah. uh, so that's another one. You know, we're talking about Tierney, I don't know, I, I don't think he's going now, but he was good money. So I, I reckon there's at least fifty million pounds there. Like if you add Balogun, you add Tavares, you add Laconga, you add Turner, we've got five million for Trusty. Patino, he's five to ten million easy. Um there's a lot of money there. Like Pepe and Cedric, they're gone for free. Let's not even think about that. Let's just pay them off and let them go. No one's yeah. buying them. Um holding again, he's actually, you know, he's he can, you know, Bear Shiktas came in with a, was it Bear Shiktas or Fernabacho? I can't remember. Bear Shiktas, I'm, I'm pretty sure did. But either way, they came in too low. Like, we weren't going to sell them for that much. So I think it was mm. like something like a couple of million. So he's worth five to 10. So they're there, okay. ready to go. Let them go. Get him yeah. out. Need David Dean back, wheeling, dealing. Yeah. Um, for me, I was likely to kind of look at the game ahead. We've got a big game on Sunday. Um, it is a, a cup final per se, uh, not necessarily a cup final that we're used to, but um, one that we've taken part in in many years and done pretty well at. And it's a game that, you know, we win. It's a trophy. Definitely. It adds on the, you know, definitely going to do a Mourinho and sit the fingers up, depending on how many trophies you win this season, that, that one is going to be included if we get it um and if we don't it's a friendly and that game matters nothing uh so it's a it's a luxurious position to to be in walking into that game i'm excited once again to see arsenal at wembley we we have a relatively good track record at wembley over the last um kind of decade or so me and jace have gone quite a few times and uh, I think only <laughs> maybe calling it out is wrong, yeah. but um, Man City was the one that we obviously lost in the League Cup final uh, some years yeah. back. We got, but we've we also seen them beat City in FA Cup semi-final. Yep, yep. And I think in a community shield as well, right? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So like, it's looking, not it's not cursed. It's not cursed. It's not cursed. It's not cursed. And uh, we've already beaten the penalty curse this week. Uh, so you know it, it, why not go into another one and beat another one? So uh, dead excited to just get get uh, a proper game. The game against Monaco, although nice to get to the Emirates and uh, uh, from some time away, it was a very different atmosphere. Um, seen a lot of uh, dissension on the on tw- well X on X, not Twitter. 
uh, seen a lot of dissension on there about the the type of crowd that goes to the Emirates Cup games. Obviously, been a lot of families and kids and singing "Stand Up If You Hate Tottenham" continuously like five times in a row because nobody really knows any other songs. Didn't um, seem like that from the video. It seemed like it was pretty loud and normal crowd. In, in person, I don't think it was. It was very. I don't know if uh, the the stream or the highlights you're watching might have uh, exuberated some of it, but um, it was a. Uh, it was pretty quiet, I would say. Not not a lot. There's certainly you're missing the likes of the Ashburton Army and the LA 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 and all the other songs that came across last year. But still excited to get those out next next weekend against Forest in the home game for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah. All right. Right. Let's uh, move on then. So we're going to talk about the uh, Monaco game. Arsenal uh, drew after 90 minutes uh, and then uh, the penalties were going to be played anyway in the same way that they were played in some of our other preseason games. And this time around, we we won the shootout. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale put a big fist up and managed to uh, save their fourth penalty, which meant that our fifth one was the winner. So fantastic news there. Um but I suppose, so Jason, you didn't get to go, obviously been away uh, for work, but got to see some of the highlights. And I think the, the biggest talking point for me is this first first topic, which is, will the real starting 11 please stand up? Um, it was looking at the starting 11, uh, the team sheet before that game went on, you'd probably be a bit perplexed. This time last season, uh, when we were having these friendly games, I think we mentioned it on the last pod, or at least you did, We'd seen a pretty consistent starting eleven across two or three of our preseasons, loading us into the season where we really did hit the ground running. Mm. Uh, so, what what is your kind of view on this starting eleven? Where do you kind of see us going uh, going into this game against Man City at the weekend? Play a strongest XI, same as I said last time. That's well. Where do I see it going? I want us to play our strongest XI. What is the strongest XI uh, or starting lineup? At the moment, Ramsdale. Ben White, still, I think, until he is consistently has bad games, he's our starting right back. He earned his place last year. He's there. Timber's got to work his take Timber's got to work his way into that lineup. And I don't think we I don't believe preseason is a justification for working your way into a starting lineup. You have to take your chance and you get it in the season, in the games that matter and prove it. Um, so Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. That's the back four, unchanged with the same keeper. The bat, uh, as you said, uh, we were chatting before, Party. I've, I've talked about this. Party is, is there. Um, Odegaard is obvious. Saka hopefully will be fit. I hope. Um, Mars, Tro- I go Trossard actually. Yeah, that, that's the hardest part. I think is is the left side. Uh, Declan Rice, by the way, in the in the in the number eight. Um, I've said I wanted that anyway. And then I guess Eddie. The Eddie. Eddie. Oh, I'd go Martinelli, maybe Trossard in the middle. I suppose there's a few different combinations you can play up top there, but I think even the fact that you're dwelling on some of the positions and, and having some thought, we, we don't know what our strongest starting eleven is right now. It's it's that top half of the pitch. I'm more, you know, it's the left side and up front that I'm unsure of. Saka on the right, Odegaard, Party, Rice, and the back four picks himself. It's that little that little part of the, of the left side and up front. Where there's a different few different combinations. I don't even consider has habits there. Uh, I, I have a, a thought on that, but we'll wait till we talk about Jesus a little bit more to uh, share some thoughts. Okay. How about you? Where are you going? What's your view? I mean, so being at the game, I'll I'll, I'll pick on some some players that that certainly won't be in that starting eleven for me more so than will. Um, you've mentioned Saka, and I, I truly hope we're, he'll be back in the starting eleven. We're going to talk about him in a minute because um, Fabio Vieira is not it. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, I don't think ESR will be in there. I don't think he did enough during that game to really put himself in a position that he'd be in a starting berth. He's getting um, minutes though, right? 
He's getting minutes. <laughs> he is, and that that is, yeah. I mean, he, I don't know if he still has the niggle or if he's still recovering somewhat from that injury. It's going to take some time, but it's good to get minutes in the tank for sure. But I just don't see he's not going to get a starting berth uh, at the moment. Same for Tomiyasu. I think Tomiyasu was fine, but once again, it's it's still perplexes me somewhat of the positions in which we're playing some of these players like Timber's playing as a left back and was attempting to invert but I don't think he was fully comfortable in inverting as a as a left back he he's obviously not that's not his natural position and thus found it challenging to kind of understand the system and the demands of that system under Arteta I was seeing a few things it is we might actually bring in another right-sided center back and get rid of Tomiyasu and have Ben White and Timber on the right and maybe have another centre-back and get rid of Tomiyasu. I feel like Tomiyasu is on his way to, I'm going to say Italy. I think he'd suit well. Yeah, he'd suit well. I think he's... Well, he came from Italy, Yeah, there there were games where last season where Tomiyasu really did look the real deal. AC, uh, good overlapping runs, good defensively headstrong and then he missed out a few games i don't know probably through injury i'd assume and then he went off the, the boil was it, was it city that he had the mistake in uh where he was dropped after making the mistake yes yeah so you know I, like i'm saying that that, that lineup but like kibiyor was playing center back so i know i said i'd talk about some players i wouldn't want to play kibiyor looked really assured and and comfortable at center back i don't think he'll start but I, I, I'm, I'm no like the fact that we left it so long to try him at left um, at centre back last year when Rob Holden played so many games and made so many mistakes is even more, you know, confusing to me now than it ever was back then. I think he's just growing. Like he's a young kid. There was he didn't. We didn't know enough, and I don't think Arteta knew enough last year and you can always reflect on uh on it afterwards after you've seen something but i think at the time he didn't know we didn't know mm-hmm. we just said kivio starting in some of those games over over i guess well we didn't have so yeah i guess it was over holding i guess at the time i don't know where i'd have been with that like yeah, I mean, hindsight, me, hindsight being 2020, you'd look back now and kind of go, then you definitely would have, right? Yeah, yeah. hindsight was the word I was looking for. I was rambling there. Yeah, hindsight. Uh, yeah, obviously you can look back and see you would. But I don't, I, I was, I would have made that call last season. Um, but then we saw it. And then I think what we've seen so far, he's growing, which is great. We can't look back. Yeah. We've got to look forwards. He's growing. That gives us confidence. Great. We've got yeah. a solid defence. We've got a solid defence. But I hope that we are... I hope that we turn up. I'm a bit worried. Pre-season, we have looked... We've got a solid defence, but we've looked very ropey. But the players individually are are very strong. Yeah, I mean, I don't... You know, we talk about starting eleven, and I would say that even, like you said, about the left side, maybe the striker... We don't know. I'm still saying we probably don't know defensively. Uh, I if if Shinchenko is is he fit? I don't. Know. I know he's just had a baby, so congratulations first of all to Shinchenko. Um, but if if he is fit, I, I can't imagine a world that he doesn't start. He is effectively the the difference with playing with him without Shinchenko in that eleven is is that night and day to me. The the games and where he can go into that midfield three and assist and, and help out and drive the ball forward. Nobody else has managed to do that through any combination of our defensive work in any of the preseason games. And so for me, he starts, it's going to be a Saliba-Gabriel centre-back partnership. It's going to be Ben White, like you, all the reasons you said. I agree with your midfield trio all over that. I think as well, I do think Eddie plays up top. I think I'm actually going to like admit uh, that I was wrong. I think Eddie had an absolutely fantastic game against Monaco. He captained the side, he scored the goal and he, he did some really good stuff during the whole game. He made some really good runs. He didn't get a lot of service admittedly and he, he played a good game um, and he held the ball up well. 
I don't think there's Trossard officer obviously a different dynamic as a nine compared to what Eddie does. Eddie will be much more direct. Um and I know I know we know what Eddie can and cannot do, but I think what what we knew he could do, he did it well against Monaco, and I I'm pretty sure he, he will start through the middle. I think it'll be Martinelli and uh and Ketia. But like I say, it's it's there's so many different combinations and the fact that we haven't really played a consistent team across all of those preseason friendlies is quite unnerving to me. We've, we've talked a lot on previous pods about the, the flexibility, fluidity and unpredictability that the new players can bring. Yeah. I don't don't feel, I don't feel confident with. Yeah. I'll just say how I feel. My gut feel is if you play Gab, Gabby, Saka, and Eddie are up front. It's a very young front three. Saka is amazing. Like, he's our, you know, superstar. But it's a very young front three. I don't see how that breaks down City's defence, which is solid. Yeah, I mean, okay. So we're, we're both unclear of who the starting eleven is and a little bit there. But you, you've mentioned him there, and I'm, I was going to bring it up because... Most no Saka, no problems. I think that that Monaco game really told me um, during pretty much any of our preseason games, Saka played. He was the the linchpin of that right wing position and created so much, controlled the games and and his ability to get down the channel or even cut inside as often as he did was really where a lot of our action came from in the games that we did score and scored a lot of goals in, and it was telling. Uh, during this Monaco game, without him, with and with no replacement, we struggle. And I'm interested from your own position. What do you What do you think? Like, if he was to get injured, hypothetically, what are we going to do? We buy. Oh, there's the one gap I keep saying with the transfers. Like, I, I wanted a right a backup right winger for him. Um, I mean, Reese is injured, right? He's been injured through preseason. I'm assuming he still is, and that's why he didn't. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess your question: Who's the backup? Well, Reese is meant to be the backup. Um, and he signed that contract. It assumes he is. If he isn't, then why did I don't know why we're doing what we're doing? That's really confusing me. Um, yeah, I'd buy. Like we have to buy someone. I mean, you the only other option, but it relies on on him being fit, and that's not happening at the moment. Is Jesus on the right, Eddie down the middle, Martinelli or Trossard on the, or even maybe you could try Trossard or Martinelli in the middle. I don't know. We have got that's the good thing. We have got players who can play different positions. I think Jesus has played a lot on the right for City, so. Mm-hmm. If it means must win, then fine, we do it. I think he can play a similar game to to Saka there, running. He's he's a high pressing striker, um, and he's not a greedy striker. He's not like going just for goals in the box. So he'd be suited to playing in the right if he needed to. And like Liverpool, you know, Mane used to be able to move across that uh, front three quite easily. He could high press in any position. And he wasn't the greedy one in the team going for the goals. It was Salah. So, yeah, I think uh, Jesus kind of fits that profile. Okay. How about you? The, the biggest thing from the Monaco game that I think was was relatively telling of not having Saka was Fabio Vieira. He, Fabio Vieira is is not it. Is is still not at the level that he needs to be and should be. I don't think we can continue to use the idea that he needs time to bed into the team and the system. He's had a season um, and I do think he has bulked somewhat because a lot of people would say he was quite light and quite, yeah, you know, could be brushed over. He was mm. just going. He was being knocked over left, right and centre. And it's not, these were not tough challenges. This was not the game against Bath or Man United. This was, he was just going down. Um, and he just seems very lackadaisical, very kind of shifty. He put in a lot of poor crosses during this game, not beating the first man, 
uh, he couldn't get down the wing um, in terms of like overlapping runs or taking players on. I just don't have a lot of... Well, I don't know why he was being played in that right wing position. I don't feel that is probably the position that is best suited to him. I do think a 10 is probably more akin to where I would expect him to play. Um, so in a in an Erdegaard, ESR kind of role somewhere in that region, he just wasn't it. And it was very telling that when Saka was replaced with him, it just wasn't going to happen down that side. That's why everything was happening down the left eventually. And that's what we scored from a left left in swinger. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, we need Saka. Simple. Yeah. I think it's a bit similar for United, right? They're, 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 they've got Marcus. I think if you take Marcus out of that position, they're in a tight spot. Yep. Yeah. They, yeah. and, and they've got that they've got that striker coming in, but they're our frontline challenges are very similar to United's. A lot of good talent, but not but maybe only one. One player away from kind of and then and losing it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Having one world class player changes the front line. Actually, I like it. I think Gabby Jesus as well makes us takes us a little bit further along. People mm-hmm. will say well, he doesn't score enough goals. It's not about the goals. It's about that everything he obviously brings to the front line. I don't think there's another player in, in United that does that. I, uh, I know. I know. I think it was well. a City. Yeah, I don't think there was a City. It used to be a Liverpool. There's not so anymore um yeah but yeah uh, it's a similar there's a few there's a few teams with a similar problem unless you're chelsea then you've just got an embarrassment of riches but no no quality <laughs> no end product yeah yeah okay um we've, we've alluded to some of this and i, I was gonna you're, you're gonna like this so that the banner coming up on screen for those listening is justice for jace um, vindicated in the last podcast, I think was the word and terminology that you used to uh, the the Rice and Party uh, starting midfield. It happened again um, uh, in this game. Tell me, uh, is there anything that you saw from that partnership that makes you believe that it will continue um, through into the the uh, City game and beyond? And do, do you feel that it's still going to be that starting midfield um, for, for the nearest future, at least? So what? Did, there's a few questions there. What did I see? I, I probably didn't see enough of the game, to be honest, to, to comment. I'd probably look for your opinion on that because I still have struggled to find an extended highlights that gives me that detail. Um, I did hear a lot about Rice. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of analysis and there's a lot of analysis about Rice playing the Jacker role quite well in that game to an extent where Jacker was pulling on the left side. Um, so if Thomas is doing his thing in the middle of the park in front of the defence like he was doing it his best last year and Rice is performing, uh, as, as I've been reading in regards to actually coming into that left side as Timber's dropping in, he's climbing wide to the left, collecting the ball, getting it up to Martinelli. And I understand a lot of our intraplay was through the left. Then that's basically starting to replicate the midfield combinations we had last year. So, um, yeah, in, 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 to answer your other question, kind of, yeah, I think that that is, that is the way forwards. I think that should be the starting exercise still for City. Why? It's a higher calibre. The quality has to be up. It's more minutes in the legs. It's more minutes as a partnership together. You know, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, as fans and the pundits and all of everyone else will say that this game matters and a a big thing will be made out of it. But we just need them to build the relationship. It's another 90 minutes where they can build the relationship. And then the three points start the week after. And that's when it's that's when it's really important. So yep, keep going. Don't change it. Don't change what works. The only thing I'd say is that if um the only the only concern, and I'll continue to raise this on this podcast, depth. There's no depth there. I don't see the depth there. If if Bryce is injured, then we're uh, we're gonna put habits there. I'm not convinced by habits there, I don't think. Jorginho is a replacement for party, yes, but there's a, I don't know, 
We needed more. I mean, we've re- are there, are we've there replaced one with there, We have, but is there... No, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say we have. We've lost Shaka and gained Rice and uh, Havertz. So we've got one more, and there's not many other Premier League sides. You look across the board that have depth in that area. When Man City lose Rodri, if they lose Rodri, what do they have? Now, I mean, they've got Kovacic now, but like that's not a that's not an upgrade by any means. Mm. Yeah, uh, and it's, I I say I'm not convinced by Havertz. I acknowledge that he can play in that position. I've I'm not um, the word not convinced by Havertz doesn't mean I'm not convinced. You know, we shouldn't have bought him. I think he's gonna. I have faith that Arteta will find that spark and that that he will be a player of high calibre and high quality for us because he was at Bayern. I remember I wanted him. when We were never in the running for a player like that when he was, sorry, not at Bayern, at Bayern Leverkusen. Yeah. We were never in the running to get a player like that at that point. Um, but he looked like an Arsenal player then and he went to Chelsea and we never saw it. But it's there. So he, Arteta will get it. But I don't know if, if, if Rice, say, touch when he doesn't, but if he took an injury... Do I think that we can have a like-for-like replacement that's going to give us the same level of quality in that eight position? Not right now. It's it's he he needs to, as I said, I think the other, the other podcast he needs that time to find his way, and that doesn't mean putting him into games and putting pressure on his shoulders. Let him grow. Let him learn in training. Let him and let him play in certain positions and formations in training. Figure out where he needs to be, when he needs to be there um, so that he can get there naturally rather than like putting him in a position where we're pushing him to be in the place quite quickly. And that's just going to, it's just going to be not the right thing. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't chuck him in against City, for example. So, yeah. Have you got a view on the midfield? Yeah, um, well, the, the, I, I, yeah, I agree. They should both start from the Monaco game in particular. I think the biggest thing that came across to me is actually Rice was replicating a lot of the runs that uh, Granite Xhaka would have done last season. There was some really good intricate play between uh, Declan Rice and Martinelli down that left-hand side. Some, uh, there was two instances in the first kind of 20 minutes where they had some some good one-two work within the box. Declan delivering some really good balls across the front of goal that weren't met with anything, unfortunately, but they were really, really good. And I was seeing that kind of late darting run. I think the biggest thing that I've seen from Bryce playing so far in that kind of position, he's got the pace. That's what Xhaka never had. Um, so he can do he can do all the things that Granite Xhaka can do, but he can also run. And, and Granite Xhaka couldn't, we know we've seen enough times when Granite Xhaka is either behind the ball trying to catch up on a player and will just tug the shirt or will chop his legs because he knows he's not going to get there. Um, Declan Rice can get there and we've seen that enough to kind of know that that's really something that he's bringing to this game that we never had before. And I think, like you say, the partnership, the minutes together, working that in collaboration will be really, really good. So I, like you, I'm interested in that. I, I would, yeah, like... I, I agree with you that the depth isn't necessarily there, but I don't think anybody's is. And I think if you look across all of the depth across a lot of the other teams in that area, we're, we're, we we are top, or at least very, very near it. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine because he, he believed that Man United's uh, midfield trio is better than ours. Uh, so was it Fernandez, Casemiro? Who's their other one? Ericsson? Nah, because he didn't mention Ericsson because Ericsson's cronked. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I I, I you know, I don't I don't believe that to be true. I think Man City's this like you've got De Bruyne, Rodri, they don't have much depth beyond that. Liverpool have just lost some of their really not not necessarily high caliber players, but highly experienced players that bring a lot to their team in the likes of Fabinho, Henderson. I can't remember if Thiago is on his way out or not. But they were saying, like I had another friend that was telling me that Thiago couldn't play football last year, was effectively non-existent. The same with Fabinho, they just don't have the legs and so they need to get move them on. And Trent's going to obviously come into that role uh, this year. But we're, we're the best of that bunch, I would say, in terms of player, calibre, quality and depth. But we are probably like most one injury away from some capitulation 
for sure. Uh, yes. We're only in the capitulation if the media makes a thing of it. So we're Arsenal. We get it all the time. I, w- I would I would say that with like you look at Man City. I don't think Man City. Well, we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to do our prediction show. Man City rode a significant amount of luck last year. They were you know electric and they were and they're fantastic to watch. They played exceptionally well, but they were extremely lucky when when Leicester won the league. In the same vein, they were extremely lucky to go on the run that they did, keep the players that they had. They were very injury-free. You know, they got some decisions that went their way. Man City were very much like that last season, and we were not. Um, if if Haaland got injured? It'd be a big difference. You... I think Alvarez is good. Alvarez, is, you know, I, I'd happily take Alvarez at Arsenal. I think he is a good striker, and I think he offers them something different to Haaland, but Haaland is a robot. You cannot replace him. It's impossible to replace him. And like I say, he he I, I always think that Declan Rice doesn't get injured. And then like I think he missed a game, like one of the third games in preseason. I was like, oh my god, he's he's caught by a bit of the Arsenal. Um so yeah, I just I just can't see them having as much luck as they did last season and beyond. Who's to know? But I, I just hope that they don't. Fair enough. What about Hazel's I mean, injury? Yeah, I mean it's a big it's a big point. So he's out. How long is unclear at the moment. But what what does that mean to us at Arsenal Football Club, Jace, which Jesus being out? High press is harder. I don't think Eddie can Eddie doesn't seem to go as long as like Gabby's all game. I don't know if Eddie goes all game um with the high press. He tries his hardest, but Hey, Jesus is, I feel, the best one of, if not the best pressing forward in the world. But no one recognises that because, as I say, because he doesn't get goals. So I don't, for no one focuses on striker for the press, they focus on anything the goals. Um, so what does that mean? Yeah, it means we're going to go with Eddie like we always do. That's what Arteta will do. I'm pretty, pretty confident of that. Um, the, there is one other thing that I would maybe like to experiment with, which would be Havertz there. And the reason I say that isn't because I want him as a striker to score goals. That's not what I'm looking for for him, Him, which might surprise people. Um, He's a tall striker, very tall man. I'm looking for him to bring that ball down and be that kind of alternative. Um, I always use the Giroud-like example. But I don't know if he's got that in his locker because I don't know if he's got the strength to, to battle. He's tall, but I don't know if he's got the strength to battle and win balls in the air. But I've not watched him enough at Chelsea to know if that's what he's done. But, but you know, having someone that can maybe do the interlink play with a Martinelli overlapping quickly, that would be good. Um, or a Saka. So that's another option. I don't know if I would try against City, if I'm honest, but I would like to see it. Maybe we, uh, I guess this is why, but I think the the, the like, games like the League Cup are going to be really important. So we'll have to, you know, I think you could see experimentation in the League Cup because that's going to, yeah, something I'd like to see at some point. But I've not seen Arteta try it. I don't think that's because I think he doesn't see Habits as a striker. I think he sees him as a winger or... An attacking midfielder, I don't think he sees him as, as in, 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 in the central forward position. But yeah, that's me. Who's up front? If he's not here, who's up front? I mean, it's Eddie. Like you, I'm, I'm 99% sure that's who Arteta will play. I, I'm going to have to uh, disagree with you. So I know he, he obviously holds up the ball, Jesus does, and brings it onto the game. And he plays very, very differently. The measuring stick for strikers is goals, Jace. It is the only way that you can measure the success of a number nine, in my opinion. Like, and if we wanted, and if we, but if we, yeah, but if we wanted that, then we should have bought another striker in. I I, I mean, I I don't. I go. I get what he does. That's not his track record. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with that part. But there's no one really else in the market at the moment that is really screaming out to me as a a 
number nine replacement per se. I do think we're going to go big on a, on a summer signing of a striker, not this year, next year. I just don't know who it's going to be. Well, we're not getting Mbappe. I know that. Um, I'm, I'm talking about in realistic terms. <laughs> well, I don't know who is. I mean, uh, obviously he's got the ban, but um, Ivan Tony is an obvious candidate, yep. right? We, he's very impressive. We went to the Brentford. Was it, did we go to the, did you? Did you go to the Brentford mm-hmm. game last yep. year? I can't yep. remember. Brentford, he was he absolutely bossed us. Um, very strong, very good, and gets goals. I'm very impressed. I mean, I have a soft spot for Ollie Watkins. Um, I have, he doesn't know who I am, but I know who he is through uh, family, friends. And uh, I know he's an Arsenal fan. I think he's done great at Villa. I think it would be interesting to see if he could step a level up. Um, so that's an option. Um, I could see him, us going in the market for him. Uh, who else is there? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I there's, I guess there's not there's not a ton of options, right? Is what you're kind of feeling. I, I, I'm with you. Tony yeah. for me is probably the the one I'd go for. I think if you went for him now, for example, you you'd be able to probably get a little bit more value out of him because the club would be probably willing to do business considering all the other stuff around him. Um. But you know, like I say, I'm not. I'm not saying that's what we're going to do. And I, I, I love Jesus. I'm not saying I don't like him. What I'm saying is that he doesn't score enough goals, and I still believe that that to be the litmus test for strikers. And you know, I don't think Eddie is good. I like Eddie. Um, I think he can play. He doesn't play in the same way that Jesus does. And what you've said, he doesn't bring the the other players into the game. He's much more of a direct striker. And he will be starting through the middle. I've got no qualms about that on Sunday. Whether he'll do well against the kind of Diaz centre-back, not not so sure. I don't think he will. He won't do as well as Haaland does against Rob Holding, put it that way. Um, yeah. So this is where, not to go on about strikers for too long, but I look at the market, there isn't much. In regards, like, there's been a lot of stuff on social media about how much is Balogun worth if if, if Man United are buying. Is it Hoyland? I can't I don't know how to say his name. Is it nine that goals in nine goals or something like that. Yeah, and obviously, like the United fans are. I don't know. They're trying to make a fit. There's a thing. I don't know, but I, I don't think that. I think they're realistic that he's not. He's not going to be Haaland. But there's obviously a similar there's similarities, but. Like they're having to pay that much just to get that that player, and it's not even guaranteed that he's going to be performing. Balogun scored twenty one goals last year, so Arsenal fans have been going, "Well, how much is he worth then to sell?" And I'm like, "Well, just play him. Just start. Mm. Just just play him. Twenty one goals. That's more than Gabby got. And if we're saying we need goals, and we're rating our strikers on goals, and just play him, what's the worst that can happen?" Give yeah, I just it too late now. That's the problem. I think you had that opportunity yeah. during preseason to see what he was made of, and you haven't. I don't think there's any way you can integrate him back into the squad. And you've seen that the we talked about this clip in previous pods from uh, I think it was Tavares or Lukonga having the conversation with Eddie in the canteen at Colney, and yeah, he was like, yeah. you know, none of us are playing. Balogun's attitude for me is it, stinking the joint up. He, he's either got bad advice uh, from his agent or through his family, wherever it's going to be. But you, you know, you don't you don't go out there and say the things that he's saying. It seems odd to do it in the he's way got, that he's done it. He's got the same agent as Eddie Kincaidia. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. It, maybe it's family friendly advice. I don't know, but like it, it just seems odd. You know, no, you don't yeah. go and badmouth your employer in the media and say that you want out, that you're not gonna, you, I'm not going out on loan again. You want to fight for your position. You know, this is Arsenal Football Club. This is not a small club. This is a meaningful club in world football. And you've got the opportunity to kind of really get involved. You've had a good loan on in the previous season. Why would you not just like suck it up and get on with it? And it just feels to me the wrong decision was made on his part. And that's why Eddie's getting a starting berth and he isn't. Regardless of how many goals he scored in league, uh, it's just not going to happen for him. We, we know that Arteta is an emotional individual. You've seen it with other players that have gone the wrong way. 
and then just don't get a look in. So for me, it's just not going to come off. So he's going to get sold. It's just how much we sell him for. Yeah, I guess we're just waiting. We're negotiating. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. Well, we're going to move on into parking lot. There's loads of stuff to talk about in the parking lot. We've got loads of topics to discuss. Um, which one do you want to go into first, Chase? Uh, well, I think you should start with Raya, right? You wanted to talk about Raya. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I got loads of topics. Um, before I get into it, first I was going to say an absolutely fantastic video um, by uh, JJ Bull, who does uh, TIFO in real life videos for The Athletic. Uh, did a really good piece on David Rea and why he fits within Arsenal. Um, it's a 10-minute watch. I'll put the link in the description because it is a fantastic video and a really good and well-thought-out discussion point about why Arsenal are in for him. Um, let me go through my week because I've had a few discussions on David Rea and why I feel it's important. Um, went out for dinner with some friends earlier on in the week and we talked about why would Arsenal want to say, uh, sign another first-choice goalkeeper and uh, the two friends that I was there with are very clear on the fact that they feel that the the goalkeeper is a unique position. It's not one that you necessarily um, need competition for a first position. It's a very clear first choice and second choice. Um, I do feel that this is a difficult situation for Arsenal to be in because it seems very clear to me that David Rayo is coming in to become a first choice goalkeeper. Um, statistically speaking, David Rea is um, significantly ahead of Ramsdale in terms of shot stopping, in terms of technical ability, and particularly in terms of distribution. Now, I know a lot of people will talk about Ramsdale in terms of his distribution because we usually think that he's actually pretty good at it, and he is. Um, but one thing that I feel has been lacking for Ramsdale is his long ball distribution. Um, usually quite good in giving it to the defenders just in front of him on the right and the left back, but anything over, we're, we're not really getting. Um, and uh, in the video that I was talking about earlier, there was a really good piece that talked about the um, kind of heat map of where long balls are going into. And Reyes' distribution is absolutely fantastic. It goes all about the park and it usually is quite successful as well. And it really his uh, his ability to adopt that style of football in an Arteta system because bearing in mind, he plays for Brentford right now, right? They're, they're not the best. They're a good side, no doubt, but they're not the best side. Um, so I think that would really fit. Now, I love Aaron Ramsdale. I think a lot of us, if you... I'm not too sure if you've read it yet. Um, have you read the Players' Tribune article? I haven't. On... I, I've seen the headlines from it, but I want to read it before uh, talking about it. But I, okay. I, I understand it talks about some important issues. Yeah, I mean, um, as a as a huge mental health advocate, Jace, you, you'll definitely uh, enjoy the read. It will talk a lot about um, some of the uh, uh, instances that Ramsdale has experienced over the, the time that he's been with us, including the event of when he was kicked by the Tottenham fan, um, which was interesting. Um, but as an article, it's absolutely a fantastic article. So I, I, I love Aaron Ramsdale. I think he, he is such a great character. For Arsenal, I do think that having um, two uh, competitive keepers for a first choice position will only breed greater quality. Um, both my friends disagree with me on that point. They believe that it's a very clear signal to Aaron Ramsdale that you're not good enough and that you're going to become the second choice keeper. So get down the pecking order in the same way that, say, um, Aaron Ramsdale was done to Bernd Leno. And the same way that Bernd Leno did eventually to Emmy Martinez, I think it was, when we, we did that change as well. It's a pretty clear step. Well, I think... I kind of agree uh, with uh, with your friends, or our friends. Um, I, I, I don't see how we have those two players together. They're two, they're both number ones. One of them is going to be unhappy, and you've got to see, uh, you've got to look at it and think it's going to be Ramsdale because they're both want to play league games and they're both going to want to play Champions League games. No one cares about the League Cup, but they want to play. They want to play. They're going to want to play those games. We also want to build within reason um, a a consistent player. It's going to be rebuilding a relationship with that back four. 
and managing that back four. So if you know the back four might change throughout the season, but you need someone who can control it. And that needs to be a consistent person most of the time. And and I I don't see how you can do that with with flipping out keepers. So one of them is going to be unhappy. Every time we've been in this, I don't know if it was you I was discussing this with, but every time we've been in this position before with two keepers, it's not worked. Like we had uh, Leno and Ramsdale for a season, didn't work. Leno Leno lost the battle, he left. Um, before that, we had uh, Leno and Martinez. Martinez came in, did exceptionally well, played played cup finals, um, won trophies, and then ended up leaving on a high because he was basically told that he wasn't going to be the number one. And I still think, you know, he he's he's said stuff in the media. He's behaved in certain ways, which are a little bizarre. But ah, uh, since, but I at the time, and I think his performances since, and even statistically, if you look at his performances since, uh, uh, as you were saying, like he that was that was a wrong decision. To, to to get rid of Martinez. I think that was one of the decisions, wrong decisions that's been made under Arteta's reign. Maybe one of the only wrong decisions I think that's been made under his reign um, was to let him go. He's, he's great with his feet. He's a great shot stopper. I know he's a bit of a, um, a bit of a villain with us now, but he, 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 he was probably the long-term answer, I think. And I think we made a mistake there. Um, and I think we've been trying to recover from that ever since. Ramsdale has done a very, very good job, and I like him a lot. But I do agree that I think it's, um, I think it's saying to Ramsdale that he's not mm. good enough. I mean, it's interesting, and obviously, time will tell. Our first bid apparently uh, only today got rejected at twenty plus add-ons. I think we'll get a fee of around twenty-five million, which I think is an absolutely fantastic price. He only has one year left on his deal. Um, I wasn't aware of this, but our goalkeeping coach is uh, the mentor yeah. of um, David Rea. So David Rea apparently is his protege. We have a really good close working relationship. So I think that's beneficial to us as well. I'm surprised that uh, everyone's disagreeing with me, but like I say, time will tell where it fits in. I, I, I Every position has competition. Every person at any position wants to start, regardless of whether or not you you tangibly feel you're the first or second choice. Um, you need depth in every single position. The goalkeeper is not excluded from that. I do think they obviously get injured less. Um, but the drop-off between you know Aaron Ramsdale and Matt Turner is a big drop-off. It, that's a delta oh. that we can't but, absorb. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, everyone's got that though, right? I think City have... Well, maybe not City, actually. They've got, they got Ortega there. as their second choice. Yeah, and he was pretty decent in the Bundesliga, I think, before he came across. But, like, United, I don't even know who United's reserve keeper is now. Tom he- now they've let go of De Gea. Uh, De Gea. Um, yeah, Liverpool. Um, this was their Chelsea. argument. I said most, most yeah. people have their keeper. I think Chelsea were the only ones that they said, but they had Mendy and Kepa. And now yeah, they don't have Mendy. Just, they bought, have they bought a new one? Sanchez, Brighton. Ah, uh, from Brighton. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even there, that's debatable. Put it this way. I'm not complaining, like, about having two high-quality keepers, let's be clear. Um, if one of them gets injured, having either one as a replacement is much better than having Matt Turner. No offence to Matt Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but uh, I, you know, as I've already said, only one of them is going to be playing. And it's going to be pretty consistent, I think, in, with, with them playing. And so the other one's going to be unhappy. So it's only going to go on for a season. And then whoever whoever loses the metaphorical war will be will be sold. And someone else will come in. Okay. Well, let's see what happens, like I say. Um, I'd be interested to kind of figure out where that goes. But like you say, I think one of the, the really good points that the other video I mentioned made, Arteta is speed running... Uh, through uh, getting to the level that he expects Arsenal to be at. I don't think I've ever remembered a transformation as rapid as this one. And there's a lot of talk, particularly in probably in our industry, Jace, that we work in professionally about incremental gains. 
in, in you know if you want to become better or quicker or more productive or more efficient it's getting those small tweaks of the dial that can elevate you to the next level whatever that is whether it's commercially through business you know what i mean or sales or conversion and that for me is something that the, the video mentioned about that although they are similar as players, Raya is like just that extra, that little bit extra. And he's looking mm -hmm. at Arteta across all of those positions and trying to understand, I need the best, I need elite, I need elite players at those positions. And it's just another another tweak that he's making because that could get us an extra one, three, five points across the season compared to Aaron Ramsdale. I think the, um, the drop-off in particular for... Uh, Ramsdale towards the end of last season, um, the Liverpool game, for example, we, we should have won that game. Um, the Southampton game, I think whether we conceded in 20 seconds against Southampton, was it? Yeah. You know, we, we sh and I think actually it was his ball. He gave that ball away. I think he tried to play a direct pass through the centre of the pitch and it got intercepted. You know, would Devil, would Devil Ray make those mistakes and cost us those points? Unsure. Don't know. But... You know, if he gets us one, three, five points across the season, we are much closer to City and thus much closer to winning that league. So I'm I'm all for it. I think it's great competition quality. I agree with you. It's probably going to come to a head. But, you know, Arteta is not one to shy away from difficult decisions, as we full well know. Yeah, I mean, if that's where they've done the analysis, if you say, if that's where the percentage gain is there... Out of all the positions in the squad, if that's where they've said this is the percentage gain, because it's about points dropped, maybe them like because that's maybe where we lost it. Is we lost it on points dropped, and we and points are dropped by conceding goals, and we conceded quite a few. There's quite a few. Uh, we had a draw that draw, uh, high school and draw against Southampton. I scored or two all. We had like three two alls on the trot, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, we So ultimately, we scored two goals, but we conceded two. So if that's where the gain is, then fair enough. I still think there's probably something to be said about where if there's. I'm intrigued to know if there's a percentage gain in scoring as well, like with with having yeah. another attacker, whether it be a winger or a striker. But yeah, yeah, I still think if if you were replacing the striker for me is. But maybe, like like we said earlier, maybe there's just not enough um, profile in the market that would give him that edge. Maybe they looked at the striker profile and they looked at the goalkeeper profile to see what those percentage edges would have been. And the goalkeeper one was simply going to take us over, whereas this one wasn't. And like I say, at the market value that is being talked about, that's not unreasonable. You know what I mean? That, that's a good number to be paying for that goalkeeper. That's... You know, he, he's. I think he was ranked like either first or second in goalkeepers for last season, and he's not like he's not meeting a lot of goals. Like Edison is near the bottom because he doesn't see anything. He doesn't get a lot because his defense is just in front of him. So, Raya in the Arsenal system for me is going to be good. I'm I'm here for it. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. you uh, while you're away, obviously as well, they uh, Arsene Wenger got to. Uh, see his statue at the ground. I think you you've had a bit of a reading, a bit of a watch about that. What, what's your feelings towards the whole thing? Emotional. I watched the interview. That was nice. Um, there was a six. Well, I saw a six minute video on YouTube that Arsenal posted. I think there might be a longer one on the Arsenal player. But um, yeah, so he was a guest of honor for the game. Two former clubs he's managed. Two former clubs that he's won league titles at. Um, and there was just some nice quotes from him because uh, I think when he left it felt quite raw um, like he you know he was almost like it was it's like when you're like we've come to a mutual agreement because we have to come to a mutual agreement because it can't end bad but really someone's unhappy and that's kind of how it felt like, no one was necessarily expecting the announcement, but we were not doing well, and there was a point when we had to get to go through change, and um, I felt like that was a bit... I don't know. We never know what happened, but it did feel a bit forced, even though he didn't... You know, it was all said that it was mutual. Um, So it felt raw, but I think that he's had time to reflect, and there was a few things. So the suffering was worth it when he was referencing building the stadium. He went through... He, he committed so much of his life, not just 
his working life you know your time that you spend as a you spend working we all spend working but like his personal life his and his personal life decisions right he committed to the club um to guarantee the build of a stadium like there were financial implications on him why he had to stay at the club because it was part of the 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 the, the you know the way that we got to finance the stadium was based on him being the manager it was part of the part of the agreement um and so to hear that like that he feels reflecting back that what he did was worth it he he didn't make the mistakes of the career his career where he could have gone to madrid or bayern munich many years before um yeah it's quite funny he was like he's he's clearly still very um passionate but also very engaged with the club um more than we think because he stayed away for so long so you know i it's it was upsetting i think for us to not see him back like alex ferguson was like always pretty much back the next season right in the stands um Wenger didn't come back for a very long time only to five yeah for almost five years and that game against west ham we went to at christmas was the first game he'd been back um and i think he needed that time to process and heal and, and reflect but you know he, he he was like he was saying like if i was here now every week he said i'd be too tense um <laughs> because he's so he it seems like he's really engaged in what we're doing um he's really bought in uh, he's talking about how much he he feels he's part of the club um you know and that he 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 feels the best way he can support is by just being there and, uh, to speak to the players he still speaks to the players i think arteta has been encouraging that but at the same time he's not going to be in the ground every week he's he's supporting from far and he's saying he's talking in that kind of in in the way it's like we can we're going to be competitive this year. We're going to win the championship. He's saying those kind of we words. It's like kind of like, it's just really emotional to come from him. Like it's not as raw as it was when he left. He is now um, a custodian of our club and um, it's just very nice to hear and nice to see him in that way. Um, yeah. I was just very happy watching the interview. Almost, almost a tear to the eye. Um, can't wait to go have a picture with the statue. Why not? Yeah, I didn't get the chance on Wednesday. It was on the other side of the ground and being with the two kids is, is uh, stressful enough as it is without trying to involve other kind of things. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I wonder how busy it will be. It was nice to see. We talked on the last pod about the, the lack of fanfare and I think obviously that was partly to do with Wenger as well. And there maybe is, you know, towards the end of his tenure at, at Arsenal, there was a lot of bitterness, not just from him in places, but from the fan base, he, he did divide a lot of fans. And I don't know if some of that is still relatively porous in, in people's memories. And, and I wonder if that could have come out when people were, you know, some people forget the good and only look, there's a bit of recency bias with some of the things that had happened to us as a club that maybe have bled into people's dislike. I mean, I don't think any Arsenal fan should dislike Wenger, in my opinion. Like, if no, no, but if, if you, you club, it, I know, it, and I agree with you. It, what the thing for me is that it was a start. It the bad culture started, unfortunately, in his reign. I believe that we experienced in the club, like you and I were in the. We were at 2014 semi-final against Wigan. Do you remember that? And we had to go to penalties with mm-hmm. a Calstrom Cal penalty to get us to the to the cup final. Do you remember the fights in yeah. the stand? Yeah, we, we were just randomly. Down. We're sitting there, like, and 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 just like a couple of rows across, there are fans knocking knocking blows just because they're Wenger in and Wenger out, and that was the point where I was like, this is ridiculous. But that culture stayed at the club after Wenger left, like. You know, you the um, I mean, social media hadn't helped, and things like and certain other other media publications probably didn't help the arguments um, that we have as fans. But uh, yeah, just it, it. You know, we if a, if a manager now has um, a poor run of games, you consistently get that oh, are they in or out, and you start to see the fan base rise up, and there be an argument. 
That's not what we're about as a club. We should get behind the manager and we should give them time because Wenger's reign was proven that you need to give the manager time. We've always had managers that have stayed quite a long time most of the time and we've given them time they've been successful. I'm glad we did it with Arteta. I'm glad that when some fans were Arteta right, we didn't cave to that. We did cave to Emery. I think, though, I would also say I was, I was probably happy with that. I, I wanted Arteta. Um, I think the week before Arteta signed, when we went to the Man City game, I was going, in this grounds, I want Arteta. Like, you're in the wrong bench, Mikel. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it did embed a culture. And I'm glad that I think we're past that now. I just, you know, we've got to realise the mistakes we made and not go back to it as a fan base. Yeah, agree. Well, we've roaring red uh, for an hour and five minutes, Jace. I'm sure uh, that we'll have more to talk about come Sunday. We've obviously got the Community Shield. I believe we're going to try and record on Sunday evening uh, if we get the opportunity to get home in time and kind of get our thoughts jotted down. We're going to try... I'm not going to hold any promises because I think the game kicks <laughs> off at four and then we've got to try and get out of the ground and back home from London because yeah. we live about an hour outside of London. So let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Honest. Well, if we, if we don't do it Sunday, we, we will do it uh, post that game and talk about what happened. We're also going to come back with our Premier League predictions next week at some point uh, before the season starts because I feel definitely need to get our, our thoughts and feelings out into the open to make sure that they're etched in stone so that when Arsenal do obviously win the Premier League uh, this season, I and you can both be uh, lauded as the ones that said it the whole time. And if they don't, uh, we can say, well, you know, we, we didn't mean it. Um, but we'll wait and see, right? I mean, yeah, uh, sure, I'll take that. I mean, <laughs> I've already said we're going to win the Champions League. Exactly. Not so the why stop there, the Jace, right? Why stop there? <laughs> right. Well, that's enough spoilers for one evening. Thanks very much uh, for joining us. As I said, if you're watching us on YouTube, please do remember to give us a like and a subscribe or a five-star review on your podcast provider. Other than that, we'll speak to you again after we smash Man City. Uh, also, add questions. If there are questions, add questions. Because uh, it's always nice to uh, have something to answer, opposed to uh, just splurting my random opinions. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah. get those questions in. We'll try and answer those in the uh, next podcast. Cool. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Have a good evening.